and I and I told him, I said, Iggy, there's no way in 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 life that you have hand-eye coordination like that and you can't hit. That's impossible. So you just need to use it. Good morning and welcome to episode two hundred twenty seven six seven of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. It's Wednesday. It's email Wednesday. We have emails to talk about. Do we have any personal baggage uh, regarding our feelings about this show to talk about, or can we just go straight into the baseball content today? We can probably just start talking about baseball. All right. So uh, the last, the most recent question that we got is the first one we're going to read. It's from Michael, who notes that with the ascent of many of the top pitching prospects to the majors and the injury to Dylan Bundy, who becomes the top pitching prospect in the minors, I would love to hear the debate between Taiwan Walker, Archie Bradley, or anyone else you believe is in the conversation uh, and learn more about their repertoires and development. Well, that's not what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's no. not us at all. Our <laughs> podcast. Uh, however, I would also like to hear that. So please send that question to uh, fringeaverage at fringeaverage.fringeaverage. Yes. Um, I do want to talk about prospects, though. Okay. Uh, two two elements of this, uh, or two, two things that came to mind in reading this question. One is, uh, Ben, are you familiar with Julio Urias? Yes, Urias? I have, I've read about him and, and listened to things about him. Interesting story. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just terrified that this man exists. <laughs> I, I guess he's not a man. He's 16 years old. He's 16 years old, and he's pitching... In full season ball, mm-hmm. he's a Dodgers prospect from Mexico. He's five foot eleven, one sixty, uh, but he's only sixteen mm-hmm. and he's left-handed. And in his five outings in full season ball, he has an ERA of three. He has better than a strikeout per inning, and this is just incredible to me. I mean, sixteen is it's like it's nuts. Yeah. It's crazy nuts. And I, so he is not the answer to who's the best prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. That is not. That is not the answer. However, uh, uh, he is something. He is something incredible. Yes. And so I guess uh, I just wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Um, uh, if, you had to, if you had one start that you needed to win, and you can pick your level. I honestly don't even care what level it is. You could, it could be a high school game or it could be a, a major league game in the World Series against um, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals or something. Um, uh and you could have either Julio or Urias. Mm-hmm. Urias, should we agree on this? Yep, Urias, I think that's right. Julio Urias now, mm-hmm. or Julio Urias in one year. And you don't know anything about what's going to happen in a year. He could, he could move. He could suck. I mean, we've only seen him for seventeen innings. Mm-hmm. He could get worse. He could lose his control, and he could be, uh, you know, he could he could be uh, in a cast. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um... And you've got to win this. I mean, you're Ben. This is an important decision. The the, the your 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 podcast partner's daughter's life depends on uh-huh. this. So the game itself will be played uh, a year from now or whatever, and he will be he will be placed into some sort of preservation until then. If I yeah, if I choose yeah. the current Urias, uh, yeah. okay. Um, I I expect that he will be a better player. In a year, I expect that he will have a, a higher true talent at that time than he does now. So I guess it does come down to the injury risk and the the risk that he will not be pitching 
at all then, uh, and then balanced weight against the the degree to which he will have improved in a year. Um, I guess, I mean, if my life depends on it, uh, and we're just talking about a 16-year-old pitcher versus a 17-year-old pitcher, I guess I would go with the current guy, I think. I, I think he would be better if he's healthy at that time, but there's yeah. a significant risk that he won't be able to make that start for whatever reason, whereas now I know that he can. So I think I'll, I'll take that. I will take the, the Urias in the hand. Okay, I've got four follow-ups. <laughs> Jeez, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Urias now or Urias at age 18? <clears throat> um, that makes it more interesting. I guess... I mean, do I have a good bullpen? <laughs> Can I... Well... Uh, uh, like, like if he's no, you can't. It's, it's the, just you, him. It's only just him. him. He's got to. If he has no arms, he has to kick the ball. Uh huh. Um. Okay. And he can't be replaced. He cannot be replaced. That's right. All right. Uh. And what? I guess it doesn't matter what the competition level is, really. Um. You can. Yeah. I don't think it yeah. would. That's why I left right. it up to yeah. you. Uh. All right. Well, by eighteen. I mean, he could be. There's there's some talk that he could be promoted again this year. That he might not even be done. Oh come on! <laughs> I've man. Heard, come on! This is I've heard that two two seconds. I've heard two. I've heard very positive things about him. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be him and Puig in the all. <laughs> he's gonna be starting the all star game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Puig's gonna be batting cleanup. I guess I'll take. I guess I'll take. The 18-year-old. Okay, uh, 16 or uh, 22, which is six years from now, Ben. <sighs> six years from now. Yeah. But on the other hand, if he develops, then he might. I mean, you know, the the, the talent difference between a 22-year-old ace and a 16-year-old ace is is now so sizable that maybe you take the risk. But the risk is we can't predict anything six years out we cannot there's like seriously not one thing that humans are capable of predicting six years out we cannot predict anything we can predict which episode we will be on by then uh yeah (laughs) well i can pretty much guarantee you (laughs) what what number we will not Uh, um 22 okay so the thing about him is that my understanding... Jeez, that would be 1,700 episodes. <laughs> how many that would we would be. have... We, we, by then we'll have had Kevin on 10 more times. Um, <laughs> I guess... I mean, my understanding of him is that he doesn't really have uh, ace potential. He's more of... He's more of a, a mid rotation guy. Don't you, yeah, don't you think that's just... Don't you think that's just people saying that because he's small? Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, All right. Maybe. Uh, so, I don't know, by 22, man, so we can't... What could you possibly be looking up? <laughs> what could you be typing that would help you make this decision? Uh, uh, all right. I, uh, God, that's so far away. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess I'll take, I guess I'll take the current guy. All right, so then I don't even have to ask you about 26. Okay, if good. You would take I'm glad. Him at, well, okay, so then the last question is, is uh, what age, uh, if you could pick him at any age, uh, what age would it be? Um, 
probably like 20. Okay. I remember a post on the book blog about pitchers, and if I'm remembering it correctly, the, the idea was basically that any time a pitcher is pitching well, no matter what age he is, uh, any time he's pitching well, you should bet on him being worse the next year. Is that that's and true when that a guy was, is in well? That's the thing. Able. We weren't yeah. talking about we weren't talking about sixteen right. year olds. Uh, we, we he the, that post was not talking about sixteen year olds. I think it was talking about like twenty one and twenty two year olds in the right, majors. Yeah. And so what I what got me thinking about this is wondering whether that would apply to a sixteen year old. And and I'm not I I, I would I'm not totally sure that it wouldn't. And there is probably uh, you know there's probably a decent chance that. This is as well. I think it's true. It's a, I mean, it's probably not true for a. Yeah, I don't think it's true for a six. But what age? When? What age do you think is the cutoff? Do you think it's true for a nineteen-year-old? Um. I mean, it's always just one pitch away. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it, one pitch away. It's, it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all thing. I mean, we can talk about average, but uh, it will vary from guy to guy. Um. I don't know. I would think that by by your very early 20s, you are pro- I mean, I don't know. There are certainly guys who get better much later in their careers. Uh, well, lots of guys get better. Yeah. It's, it's just that lots of guys get worse. Yes. It's, we're talking about right. the, the mean. Yes. Um, I guess, I don't know. I guess I would say like 20-ish. 20, I would yeah. guess. So a nineteen, you, if a nineteen-year-old is pitching well, you'd rather have him a year later. But if a twenty-year-old is pitching well, you you just take him, you take him right then. You wouldn't get greedy. Yeah, sure. Okay. Excellent right. question, which we didn't. That is didn't a great question at all. <laughs> not not done with it. Not done oh, with it. In oh, fact, okay. the other thing I was thinking about with this question is that uh, it really uh, reinforced to me how reliant I am on uh, prospect ranking mm-hmm. lists, and you get to this point in June. You're completely helpless when it comes to like evaluating two prospects who are fairly similar to each other. And I don't even really have a good, a lot of times I don't really have a good sense. Like I know if a guy's stock has generally gone up or not, but I often don't know whether it's gone from he's ranked 30th to 38th mm-hmm. or 30th to off the list completely. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a weird system that we have where basically we do this once a year. And and you know sort of twice I, I know like Keith updates and we update uh, yeah I, in the summer I but kind of cheat because I've seen Jason Parks's in progress top fifty list which I think will be published next week at BP so I've seen that so I see um, okay but yeah well the the the, the top hundreds are so fascinating because they come out you know five months after the last pitch was thrown so they almost couldn't possibly be any less uh, tied to reality. Um, and then we, for the most part, we rely on those for a full season. And so, like, when the trade deadline comes, a lot of people will still be looking at those rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, our updated top 50 helps things. But, uh, you know, we'll be. I know that when so-and-so gets traded to, you know, whatever team, people are going to look at the team prospect rankings and go, oh, he was ranked seventh. And, 
it just seems to me that there's this huge uh, market out there for some credible prospect ranker, and maybe it's us, uh, to just do a rolling ranking. I, just I, every day yes, update. I proposed that once, actually. And and so what was the what was the pushback? <laughs> I could see I could see the sources hating it because they don't want us to be too they don't want us to be too obsessed with the short term. Yeah. On these guys, but what do you remember if there was pushback or why? I don't think Jason spoke to me for a few days after I proposed that. Because uh, it's a work, because hard yeah, work. Yeah, it's just a crazy amount of, of research. Uh, I mean, the amount of work that he puts into those top 10s and top 101s and everything, I mean, it takes him just hours and hours and hours of talking to people and seeing players and ranking them and moving them around. And it just seemed like it would be just a, a prohibitive amount of work to maintain it constantly and and to resist the urge to overreact to small samples and just be moving guys up and down after they went over four or something or had a good start yeah. uh, and you yeah. just have to be in constant contact with with your sources and just sounded kind of like a nightmare it would be really cool for for those of us who don't know as much about prospects to have that kind of constantly refreshed list to consult at any time that would be awesome um but maybe there's kind of a middle ground where we could do it more often than than twice a year but not constantly uh, yeah it's by far our biggest trafficked article of the year i imagine it's yeah. everybody who does its biggest trafficked article of the mm -hmm. year um so i mean clearly there's a desire for this and uh, and, and it's, I mean, there's a, there's some curiosity because you're seeing these guys in spring training, but in a lot of ways it couldn't possibly come at a less useful time too, because nobody's getting traded in, you know, March mm -hmm. and there's no prospects getting traded in March. Yeah, there's some roster decisions being made. And of course, I guess you're drafting your fantasy keeper league. So never mind. There's a big reason to have it in March, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would consume it anyway. Uh, that's that, that's the end of that question. Yeah. All right, uh, so Steve writes, uh, as of June 15th, so this was four days ago, uh, Jose Iglesias is hitting 451 in 89 plate appearances. He goes over some num more numbers, does some math, says meaning his BABIP is 529. His minor league career BABIP is 278. Um, and I mentioned Jose Iglesias' BABIP in an article on Tuesday, and uh, at the time it was, I believe, down to 507. Uh, nonetheless, the point remains. Uh, so then Steve says, assuming the null hypothesis of a 300 BABIP, the likelihood of a BABIP this far from 300 over a sample of 68 balls in play is 0.01%. That's 1 in 10,000. So if there are 500 player seasons each year with 89 plate appearances or more, we should expect someone to get this lucky once on average in each 20-year period. Um and so he asked, should we be updating, should he be Bayesian updating his views on Iglesias? Um, and so I had, uh, uh, I had uh, Ryan Lind, our stats research extraordinaire, uh, run some numbers just to find out how rare this is. And um, first of all, there's a, 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 you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's not, maybe Steve had this in mind when he, he said it, but there's some logical issue with the premise, which is that uh, we would only look at the first 89 plate appearances of the season. Uh, clearly, guys are having 89 plate appearance samples throughout the year, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so you you would expect it to happen a lot more than every 20 years, and it probably does. It just isn't quite so visible. So I had Ryan look at both both things: uh, the first hundred plate appearances because Iglesias 
is now at, uh, well, he was at 99 coming into today at 507. So at worst, he was going to be over 500. And let me know how many guys had started a season with a BABIP over 500 in their first 100 plate appearances. And then looking at guys who had had hidden BABIPs over 500. And um, in fact, uh, the, the starting a season thing uh, has happened uh, now nine times since 1950. So a little bit more than once a decade, not much more than once a decade. It uh, happened once in 1958, then 1970, that was, and then once in 83, and then once in 94. So it was going about once a decade at that point, a little less. And it's sped up a little since then. The last one before Iglesias was Brian LaHare, actually, who did it last year. Uh, before that was B.J. Upton in 2007, mm-hmm. who was at 577. Um, and other than LaHare... And I guess Billy Grubberkovics. Grubberkovics. <laughs> uh, these are all sort of elite kind of hit. I guess Upton's not really an elite kind of hitter either, but Manny is one of them. Musial is one of them. Carew is one of them. Paul O'Neill is one of them. Wally Joyner is one of them. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, it is pretty rare, and it probably happens, uh, I guess, not quite. As often as he, or I guess uh, not quite as rarely as he calculated it should, uh, but kind of close. So then if you look at any 100 plate appearance stretch, um, this is much more common. Uh, it looks like there were 5, 10, 15, 20 last year, uh, 20 players who did this in a 100 plate appearance stretch. The highest seems to be Joey Votto at 583. Um, Dexter Fowler and was at 577, um, and uh, it's, a, it's mostly good hitters, but it's not entirely good hitters. Um, and I, mean, I guess Votto's, you're more likely to do it if it, you're a like a patient hitter, right? Who puts fewer balls in play? Oh, right, yeah, that makes sense because we did it by plate appearances instead yeah. of balls in play. Right. And so, yeah, that's a good point. Like Votto's hundred plate appearances might be seventy-five plate appearances, while uh, seventy-five at best. See, seventy-five uh, balls oh, in play, okay, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Carlos Gomez's similar stretch might be, you know, ninety-two balls in yeah. play. Um, or, yeah, I guess at bats, yeah, because then, well, it's also if you're striking out a lot, player who strikes out a lot would be more likely to do it too. Sure. Uh, there have been four this year: Mauer and Votto, both on there again for the second year in a row. Uh, and uh, so he went back to 2010 and um, Maurer also in 2010, incidentally. So he does this about once a year, uh, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vado's 580, whatever I said it was, is the highest over the past four years. So to answer the question, does this change your opinion about Iglesias, uh, or do you think this is this should make you reevaluate Iglesias's true Babbitt p- potential, if not necessarily his offensive potential, at least his Babbitt potential? Uh, well, any time uh, I mean, anytime anyone does anything, you you incorporate it right into your projection of of how good they actually are. So. Sure. I mean, if he has a, a high BABIP over a certain sample, then you you incorporate that and you maybe you use a little less of the league average when you regress what you expect him to do going forward. 
All right, give me your numbers though. Let's say let's say I told you that um, that God Himself came down and told me in uh, in April that Iglesias was a you know two ninety five uh, true Babbitt mm-hmm. talent. Uh, what is it now? Uh, maybe like three hundred. Yeah, I was I was gonna say three or four points. Yeah. I'd I'd give him three or four points, yeah. which is not that much. No. It, which is not noticeable. Yeah, right. So basically, it changes it changes nothing in our minds. I, it does in a weird way. It does make me kind of take him a bit more seriously as a hitter overall. Um, and I don't know that I that should. I it probably it probably shouldn't. But um, I haven't watched his hits really. Uh, I haven't uh-huh. seen whether they're they're all fluky. So that would change. Uh-huh. I guess that would change my opinion a little bit if I actually sat down and did that. Yeah, I watched ten of them in great detail, and also ten of his outs. And you know, he looks fairly credible out there. He can he can turn on a bad pitch, and he runs well, which matters. And he you know goes the other way and hits a few line drives. So I mean, I don't think he's much of a hitter, uh, but I'm uh, if I just watched that guy for twenty plate appearances, I would I would have a hard time believing that he's the the guy who um you know was supposed to have a bat so bad that it might not even support the best mm-hmm. glove in the game mm-hmm. uh i think he definitely has enough bat to support the best glove in the game okay uh shall i read another sure. one? all right uh brad asks imagine a world without base coaches and let us know what it would be like wouldn't less prudent base running make the game more exciting this is a, it seems like a, a lot of the questions that we both bring up ourselves or get that are kind of like how to change the game. There are various genres of these questions, and one of them is make the players worse. Like, would it be more fun to make the players worse? Uh, and certainly, um, like the pit, the pit idea is all about making the players fail. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder what it is about uh, me and about emailers uh, like Brad. Who, um, who, and I kind of agree with him. Who think it's more fun to watch the uh, a kind of zanier, madcap game where the players are put in a position to fail more often? Yeah. Because I mean, I certainly I am a person who makes his living uh, creating gifts of such things, and so anything that is slightly out of the ordinary is appealing to me. Um, but if you're just watching, what's the lure? I wonder. I don't know, but it's it's only appealing because it is slightly or i mean it's it's very out of the ordinary right i mean most of the things that we gif are kind of i mean i don't know people gif everything now but um if this kind of zany stuff were happening all the time i wonder if we would just get tired of it and want the good crisp baseball that we're used to back well i think that the i think the way that it works is not that it is that when you put more strain on the system you get more possibilities for zaniness it it wouldn't be the same zaniness over and over and Mm -hmm. over uh i think you know if you're for instance if you're uh if you don't have a third base coach well sure there's the possibility that you're gonna you know get thrown out at home there's also the possibility that you're for instance going to get deked by the third baseman and end up stopping at third while the guy rounding second uh who knows that the the outfielder hasn't even picked up the ball yet uh, tears around and then runs head on into you, right? That's also a possibility. And there's the possibility that you're looking over your shoulder uh, as you round third base and you trip, stumble, and fall into the dugout. Uh, I mean, it's 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 the it's the possibilities that 
uh, lack of uh, lack of rigidity uh, opens the door to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know that it would make that big a difference to take away the base I coaches. Either. I don't. I don't think you'd see crazy stuff happening routinely. No, I f- I think that in fact the uh, the idea when I sat and considered it for a few minutes uh, led me to wonder why there are batting uh, base <laughs> coaches. It seems like it seems like quite an expense uh, players, for guys who pl- don't do much. Players might just end up being more cautious because there are no base coaches there, and they might be less willing to take risks or or do something that would end up looking silly, right? Because I mean, they wouldn't have that safety net of a coach who's supposed to tell them whether they should try to take that extra base. So maybe they would just not take the extra base or I don't know. I could see it going either way. Yeah. I guess I would want to know how much, uh, the first base coach matters for stolen bases. I don't know if anybody's done the math or tried to actually find it. If they haven't, then probably Russell will have something for us by the time we wake up in the morning. Uh, but I could see that being a, a case where a bad, a, a first base coach earns his, you know, two hundred thousand a year or whatever he gets, yeah. uh, pretty quickly. But um, as far as the 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 other stuff, the that you know, the the third base coach. I mean, it seems to be he he relays the signs, and he does about ninety nine calls out of a hundred, uh, or ninety nine decisions out of a hundred that anybody could do, and then he does one out of a hundred that takes some real skill, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't begrudge the value that that. Uh, one is is worth, but it just feels like you're carrying an extra guy around the the team plane all the time. You're you're you know paying a salary it's, and all that stuff. I just wonder whether it's uh, I don't know. I mean, why not just make the 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 twenty fifth man on the roster stand out there and wave his arm? I I <laughs> uh, I guess the answer is obvious. However, uh, in answering Brad's question. Uh, and thinking of it that way, my guess is that most of the difference would be pretty small. Mm-hmm. It would just be a slightly less efficient game, and uh, uh, and I, I don't know. I could probably get behind it. I don't know if there if there weren't base coaches, um, if there weren't base coaches, if we had made it to this point in history without professional base coaches, and a team like the Rays hired a base coach, would would we be talking about it breathlessly as the new Moneyball? Do you think? Probably. <laughs> you think so? If the Rays did it. Uh-huh. Some people would. Um, what if the Rockies? What if the Rockies did it? Yeah, if the Rockies did it, then it might kind of go in the same bucket as other things that the Rockies have done, like the the pitch count Second stuff and and yeah. the yeah and the having like multiple GMs or or guys who split the GM role or I think they have like uh, people who are in charge of each affiliate or something instead of roving instructors or uh, there's something like that, that they've tried that's unorthodox. So yeah, probably it would fall into that same category, but I don't know. I mean, probably, probably you would think that the base coaches developed out of a need for base coaches, right? I mean, well, you certainly, I mean, I don't know this, but my guess is that the the manager probably stood at third base and did the third base coaching for a large part of history. Yeah, maybe. I, there was yeah there were and definitely smaller coaching staffs that have become more specialized. So the base coach could just be the the the, the evolution of managers who just think it's beneath them to stand for three hours and or just have more and, more things to do. Yeah, maybe yeah, and maybe have more things to do or just uh you know if 
everybody likes to have more FTE. Everybody who who uh, who has a payroll loves to get more FTE under their umbrella. So maybe somebody just fought for that position. I don't know. Uh, could have could have looked this up. <laughs> could have done the research. Would have taken about forty seconds. Could have. Uh, too late now. So okay. Yeah. So uh, this question comes from Alan. Uh, he wants to know how many organizations would move a capable third base prospect with a top bat like Nick Castellanos off of third base to left field while their third baseman and first baseman are below league average defensively. Uh, He says this is to allow Victor Martinez to DH, who is again proving that a missing year of playing time is gigantic in any pro sport, not to mention at 37 years old. I think Martinez is 34 years old. Uh, Fielder at DH, Cabrera at first base, Castellanos at third, and Garcia in left is an enormous defensive upgrade while there's no drop in the lineup. Please explain why the Tigers are going down this road. Uh, so I thought we could talk a little bit about position switches. Um, I don't know that much about Castellanos' defense. I happened to see him this past weekend in that game that that I saw in Syracuse. They were playing Toledo, and he was there. And I came in with uh, really high expectations because Mark Anderson on our minor league email list had just been telling everyone how amazing Castellanos had been lately. And he, he, he has, I mean, for the last couple months, he's been hitting really, really well uh, as I think the youngest position player in the international league uh, with a, an even strikeout to walk ratio. So I was expecting great things and he went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Um, and if I hadn't known that he was the, the best prospect on the field, I never would have known that he was the best prospect on the field. It made me think of uh, the thing that you wrote recently when you went to a Cal League game and you talked about how that, that pitcher, who was a total non-prospect, looked, looked oh, yeah. like a, a prospect to you. Um, yeah. And you were shocked to learn that he <laughs> he is nothing. Uh, He's awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's about how I would have felt about Castellanos. So uh, he was playing left, so I, don't, I haven't seen him play third. I don't know. Um, I was listening to another podcast last week, uh, the, the baseball America podcast. It was with, I think Matt Eddy and Ben Badler, and they were talking about Castellanos and they, they basically said that he would not be the worst third baseman in major league baseball, uh, that he would probably be a better third baseman than Miguel Cabrera. Uh, defensively. yeah, defensively, yeah. um, that he, he wouldn't be good there, but he wouldn't be unplayable there. So uh, I guess what is the point of moving him then, I wonder? And and it made me kind of think about the, the Jerickson Profar news. I mean, that is, I guess, more understandable that the Rangers are moving him to left for now or converting him into an outfielder because they haven't had a, a very good hitting left fielder this year and they're trying to find a way to, to shoehorn him into this lineup and and you know not affect his development um so they're moving him just continually continually down the defensive spectrum uh to less and less valuable defensive positions he's a guy who can play shortstop adequately or well uh and normally you you want the people who can do that doing that but they moved him to second to you know, accommodate the player they already had, and now they're moving him to left to accommodate another player that they already have, for now at least. Um, so I guess it's it's uh, 
you just constantly have to evaluate whether whether I mean the thing is that that when you move a guy if he's capable of playing the position that you're moving him from everyone still knows that I guess right I mean he doesn't necessarily lose the ability to play that position so you're not you're not really depreciating him I guess if you're if you're thinking about trading him another organization still knows that he can play the position that you're moving him from and that you're moving him so that you can get more people into the lineup or make room for someone else. Um, and maybe he wouldn't go for less just because he's playing a less valuable position. In the Tigers' case, uh, I don't know, really, um, unless they think that he's worse defensively than, than what I've heard, uh, and they think he can't play the position. Um, I don't know. I kind of I believe in in Martinez's ability to bounce back, I guess, but uh, and and maybe he's not ready to come up anyway. As I mentioned, he is really young, even though he is hitting very well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you'd think you'd think long term, Cabrera won't stay at third for for that much longer. Probably, I was sort of surprised that he has managed to do as well as he has there. So you figure long term he will be a DH or he'll move to first and fielder will DH or something. Um, so there will be a, a spot for Castellanos there eventually. So I guess maybe it's just a, a short term thing and doesn't really affect the long term. Do you have any theories? Uh, well, I think with the Tigers, it's um, it's maybe just not quite as attractive an option as as, as Allen. Uh, Put it. I, I mean, I like. I didn't realize how bad Castellanos was as a third baseman, or uh, you know, I. I mean, I too sort of, without knowing that much, sort of just presumed that they moved him off the position because uh, that's where the organizational need was. But if it sounds like they moved him off because he's not probably going to be a third baseman, right? I mean, that sort of sounds like what you were saying. Yeah. Or he wouldn't be the worst, mm-hmm. but he's certainly not not anywhere near the best. Or probably even average. So, uh, you know, it's not a, a terrible decision. Uh, it, it happens if it weren't for the, uh, if it weren't for the, the easy conspiracy theorizing that we might generate based on the Tigers roster, we might not have even noticed such a move. Mm-hmm. And then I also kind of think that Victor Martinez is, um, probably still a capable bat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even if he's not, I could certainly understand why the Tigers wouldn't have given up on him. So, to me, it's just a sort of a circumstances thing. Um, with the uh, Rangers, it's, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing about the Rangers is that it's hard to make a big change right now. It would be hard to make Ian Kinsler play first base right now or something like mm-hmm. that. It would ruffle some, some feathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be weird. It would be, you know, a lot of trauma and it might not work. And then you've got to undo everything and if you have to undo everything it's just a lot more feathers and drama and stuff the thing about the rangers is, is this was just so obviously coming down the line mm-hmm. unless you thought Profar wasn't going to come up at all this year which would have been unlikely and probably counterproductive you just wonder like why didn't they do something about this in spring training so i guess they uh, i guess they tried or suggested that kinsler should move and he kind of balked at, at yeah that, that's so. why you right that's why you do it in spring training so you can try again mm-hmm. you i mean like like I, I don't know what happened i don't know i don't know what balking was like but i mean that's that's why you do it in spring training because you have 
six weeks to try to figure out a way to make it happen. I mean, Michael Young initially balked at moving to third, too. And then uh, midway through his first season at third base, we were hearing about what a team player he was. So uh, you have the you have the cushion to get things done in spring that you can't really do now. And so, you know, now it's like uh, it, they might not quite be capitalizing on profile. I mean, ideally, you'd love to have everybody playing in their position of maximum benefit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, it's not it's not like a it's not like a problem that they have to get jerks and profar and bats somewhere i mean they they have a lot of good players mm-hmm. it's a it's a decent problem to have yeah tom wilhelmson just came in in the eighth uh of a one-run game did, did is there a closer controversy did they switch him out i mean i know he's been yeah, terrible he's been bad i don't know did that they announce have they announced as a non-fantasy who? player i don't necessarily always have my finger on the pulse of of the closers set up man battles um but yeah. i but there has been talk right about making caps yeah, closer or yeah. yeah yeah talk i didn't i had not heard a an, an announcement maybe it's, Alpha Fools, Homer. Maybe it's happening right now yeah well he just blew he blew the lead so mm. now we won't get to see caps we won't even get to know mm. unless they score in the... all right cool great great show good show okay. ben good time good times. Yeah. all right uh good so we'll be back tomorrow with another one of these